Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am interviewing an American musician, singer, songwriter, actor, public speaker from Baltimore, known for his soulful singing, award-winning songwriting, and a sought-after public speaking and storytelling. Please welcome Jay Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. So right now, we're, this, this is going to be a base-off, maybe? We'll, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Right. Oh, damn. <laughs> so I want to start off with um, kind of like I gave that, you know, literally copy and paste bio situation. I want to get you like, you know, tell the fine folks about your background for those who are undead. What's your background, your work and um, what drew you to to music, performing, acting, things of that nature? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I just make it simple. You know, I think uh, I'm, I'm an artist. Uh, I'm a singer songwriter. Uh, but. First and foremost, I'm just a human being that kind of feels that uh, the importance in connecting with individuals is centered around stories. It's centered around people. It's centered around universal feelings and emotions that all of us have. And so that's kind of the way that I put it. And it just happens to be that music is one of those mediums. Uh, acting has, uh, I guess it's, it, it was kind of serendipitous, but just kind of fell into that. And then, um, yeah, I never, I hate using like public speaker because it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I didn't, I don't join any of those public speaker guilds or anything. I'm just like, Hey, if you want me to come and talk and if you're moved by it, then that's cool. You know? Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I would describe myself. Um, I, I fell into music pretty late in, in, in the grand scheme of things, um, I, I kind of started about seven years ago uh, and have been doing it professionally for that amount of time. Left behind a lot of, uh, I guess, more traditional uh, paths. Yeah. Uh, was going to do med school, business school, all of that. And so worked throughout my 20s, did a bunch of everything. Um, but I feel like I'm where I need to be and uh, probably will dive into the vocation side of things <laughs> later on, too. So, yeah. It, it, that's funny. Um, that's that's a word you said. to said vocation. That's a that's a word that um, has popped up in a book that I'm reading now, and it, it's a really interesting word. Sometimes, like people will use it. It's, its meaning has come to have a different meaning over the years. Like in the, I think it was the uh, maybe the Daily Laws. It was like where vocation comes from. This whole idea of like your calling, and in some biblical sense to it. And now it's like, oh, your vocation to be like a dog catcher. It's like, that's not a calling. There's <laughs> so I think um, I think when it gets to that creative side that like, what, what, what do you love? What are you going after? I think that's definitely a bigger and a weightier word to say vocation when it comes to something like, like that. So I read that you cited Bob Dylan. Stevie Wonder, Sam Cooke, The Beatles, and Prince as your major influences. What traits, whether it be in songwriting, singing, performing, have influenced you from, from any of those multiple, however you want to really frame it, but I, I think we we kind of take, we borrow, we are influenced by the people that we like, the performers that we like. So what, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of my, my the artists that I kind of state as influences can be in it's in a myriad of ways obviously there's uh you know the songwriting of bob dylan but I, i'm not like i don't want to go out of my way to listen to him sing you know what i mean um but then there's like just so many uh creative geniuses that just write such beautiful poetic uh songs um but there's also just straight up performers i mean you look at people like prince michael jackson like stevie wonder i mean they're just 
they perform, uh, right? And yeah. then these bands that are just, you know, the Beatles. I mean, I, I always joke about how I, I, I still can't read music. I'm like the Beatles, right? And there's this like truth in that. And, and um, yeah, all these different artists that I grew up listening to um, have kind of, I guess, played a an important role in shading in the colors of of my artistry sure. as it's come right and as you said before you know we all uh all great songwriters like they 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 start by really kind of emulating um and imitating to some level uh until uh they find their own style yeah. their own they, the style will gradually emerge right and so uh, but there's never really a set formula to that so i you know for me i think like if i was to nail it into one thing that really kind of i think is an, is a non-negotiable I think that's, uh, it's feel. Yeah. It's like if an individual, if an artist can make you feel something and it's however way they do that, right? Like if you listen to Bob, I imagine like if I was sitting in, you know, a place in Greenwich Village listening to Bob Dylan play Blowing in the Wind back in the day amidst all that, you know, uh, that was going on politically and all that, like I, I would be moved by that. Like, yeah. sure, I wouldn't be blown away by his voice or anything like that, but I would be moved. Yeah. And then, you know, being in a room and watching Prince, even at the end of his life, you know, piano and a microphone tour, just doing his thing, just so confident. And you walk in, I mean, the dude was a short guy, but he walked <laughs> into every room and he stood shoulders above everybody else yeah. right and so there's just that element so i think you either have it or you don't and uh and and i think a lot of these artists like once they kind of realize that that they got something that they can really share with the world then that's when it really gets interesting because there is a lot of work that goes into that so then that's when you kind of distance yourself from the rest you know so i think that that's the way that i would say it is really just kind of the you just have this thing you have this this oomph yeah. that that makes you makes other people feel things yeah, um, I, I think I think that that's something that comes up in conversation um, a lot when you're in a spot of like storytelling and however you just define storytelling, how you decide to do storytelling, um, and it just like connects. Like there'll be people who will reach out to me after listening to an episode. It's like, wow, I can't believe you guys talked about that. I felt something about that. Really hit. Oh, have you? I was like, I was just asking this person about what movie they liked or you know a little bit about their creative process and didn't think it resonated in that way. But once you start hearing that kind of same thing, it's like that authenticity that sticks out, that genuine nature that sticks out. And at times that awkward, it's like, I can't believe you asked that. I was like, I can't believe either. But that's the thing that feels real and feels like every man and relatable in many ways. And I think that's the thing that I'm keying in on that, as you would describe it a second ago, that when someone's performing, someone's doing their thing, it's like they key in on whatever gives you that oomph. Yeah, yeah. So tell me ab about your songwriting process and how has it evolved since the beginning? Because I've listened to some of my old podcasts and, you know, my, my, my creative practice is like, okay, this isn't good or, you know, I'm, I'm a lot better now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, it's you know, songwriting is kind of one of those things like you, uh, you know, I think the best way to describe it is that writing a great song, it's it's like genuine magic, right? It's not an illusion. Um, and, and I think that every songwriting influence that I've had, they, they've been able to provide, they've never been able to provide kind of like a, a rule, a guideline, a process, right? Because, but then that's, that's the beauty of it, that, that there is no way to do that. And it's a, it's a subject that's close to each songwriter individually. And so for me, it's like this thing that I, it's almost like a, an organ, a beating organ. It's like a second heart, right? And so uh, for me, the process is kind of like 
thinking about how an oyster is created, right? A pearl inside of an oyster is created. Yeah. It's just like there's a painstakingly hard element of it, but then it's so worth it, right? So like like you said about your previous podcast, like later on I realized, you know, I listened to some of the songs on my first album and some of them sometimes I'm just like shaking my head. I'm like, ugh, you know, I can't believe I wrote that. But then as I've progressed and grown as a songwriter, like you know, I, I, put, I put out my first album as a super deluxe last year during the pandemic. So it had 31 tracks. And um, one of the things was like a podcast style interview with my my producer. Yeah. And he's who happens to be one of my best buddies. And we talked about just how like how happy we were thinking. Like when we listen back, we're like, man, it brought us back to all the the just the, the three months that we just put our entire lives into that album. And um, and I listen to some of these songs and I'm just like, man, that that just I'm just so proud of it. Like, you know, technically, sure, I'm better now. I'm a better singer. I'm a better songwriter. But it really brings you back to that moment because in art, it's like you're, it's a, it's a slice in time where you take everything that you have, um, that you're going through, the people that you're surrounded by, where you are, and you throw that onto this canvas that is going to be this, like, collection of everything in your mind, body, soul, and you just put it out into the world, right? Yeah. And so there's this element of that. And so for songwriting, that's kind of how, how I see it. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I think I'm also realizing that I'm evolving to write in ways that I've never written before. In the beginning, I would always write first. Yeah. You know, it's like poetry to me. Uh, but now, you know, I'm trying different things and, and like beautiful things come out of that. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole process. Evolution is big. Um this, it has actually had me thinking in that same vein, is there a, a song or songwriting experience that really kind of like sticks out to you? It's like, yeah, I really couldn't get this, this, this rhythm down or this, like the stanza or however, cause you, you mentioned the poetry connection. Um, is, is there one that comes to mind for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 last night I actually did a concert here in Baltimore and I talked about this particular song. Um, there's a song on my third album called 1111 and, uh, um, I have this this technique or rather mindset that I use. Um, I, I joke about it because I say um, every single one of my songs, I know I've got like hundreds of original songs online, but it's like every single one has to have this thing I call it a tattoo line, which is, and I joke and I say it live shows. I'm like, yo, this tattoo line, like it's got to have a line that's so damn good that I would get it tattooed as a tramp stamp on my butt I would like, you know, and, and, and people laugh, but it's like, that's kind of the mentality that I take, like, because oftentimes these songs come together in pieces. Like my first album, there were a few songs that took me six years for it to come together. Wow. And then there were other songs that I wrote in 20 minutes. Um, and now it's like somewhere in between all that. And, um, 11, 11 was one of those songs where, um, ironically, it was the one that got me the John Lennon songwriting award in 2019. So that it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that more people suddenly are like, Oh, I'm going to go listen to your lyrics. Look them up on genius.com, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And 11, 11 for me, I always say it was 16 tattoo lines in a song <laughs> yeah. because there were three verses with four lines in each one and then the chorus. And for me, I tried to take um, feeling different ways, different ways of feeling love um, in different contexts. So some of them, some of the lines came from these places of romantic love, unrequited love, platonic love, agape love for a parent, a parent's agape love for you, love for God, if you believe, like these things. And some of them, sure, were very happy and joyful, but there were so many that came from a place of uh, brokenness and hurt. You know, like there were, you know, I, I wrote out of experiences of 
you know, even losing somebody to suicide, somebody that I love very deeply. Um, and, you know, even writing out of places that involved just, you know, my own struggles with things that were just so, um, you know, kind of dealing with mortality and things like that. And so, um, that song in particular was one that I just, I think I wrestled a lot with every single element and really threw myself into it so that, you know, by the time I, I laid it down, I had played it so many different ways in the live circuit and at shows. And it's funny to this day, there are times where I'm singing and playing it and I feel so elated, so happy. Mm. And then there's other times actually like a few times in the past six months that I just lost it. I was sobbing through the latter half of the song and, you know, but there's this power in that. Like in the beginning, I used to be like, oh, that's embarrassing. But now I just like, you know, you, you, you see that it moves other people too. Yeah. Right. And that, like you said in earlier, like the, there's this duty and privilege that we have when we can be vulnerable and, and ugly cry, then other <laughs> people feel like they have a, the permission or a safe space to do that too. And it might have any, nothing to do with why you're crying, but it's like maybe this cathartic release that they can just be yeah. themselves, all the good, the bad, the hurt, the pain. And so that song in particular is one that I'm, I'm really proud of. And the processes that were that went around that was actually pretty, pretty multifaceted and nuanced and, um, and one that I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm very proud of it. It kind of set the precedence for me, um, in every song I've written since to really kind of like take in every, uh, emotion and put it into that. So that's great. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Um, Thanks for asking. It, it it almost and it's it's not the same, but I, I think it's the it, it's when you hear about um, maybe people who have let's say a drug thing or a drug um, preference. It's like you're chasing that first high, and I think that when you've done something, you're like, yeah, this is the one right here. This is this is the one. This is it, and everything that follows it is an attempt to try to replicate either the feeling or re whether the intent or, or something about it, and. I think the, the the issue sometimes is we feel like some people feel like it's not attainable. But I think you have to find what is what you can what you can recapture whether you put in that work, you put in that process, or what have you. It's like, oh yeah, I'm close. I'm close to it, and I, and I can keep chasing it. it. Keeps making it interesting. Um, it's always more to do, and it's like that's what keeps you interested and keeps you like driving after it. I think. Absolutely. And so, so this is an interesting thing um, for me. This, I, I've been asking this from people recently because I find when we're in a spot where we have this kind of DIY, kind of you're, you're doing your thing and you're growing, you're emerging and you're, you're figuring things out, things tend to overlap, like skills that you're working with. So in what ways does your, your varying interests and creative practices kind of like overlap and kind of serve each other? For instance, does acting make you a better performer? Does anything that's maybe outside of your listed creative interests make you better at a creative interest for sake of argument? Absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. I think for, for me, I've always approached art, music, all of that as kind of this holistic balance, right? And so, you know, I, I, I've never seen music as the main thing. I've never tried to seek my identity in music. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like my identity was always rooted and, um, and it's really the music and art is an extension. So it's an extension of myself first and foremost as a human being. And then as a human being who happens to create um, thus as an artist. And um, I think 
the best way to explain it is kind of like, I know we had briefly discussed vocation, right? And when I think about vocation, because you know, I actually recently wrote, wrote, read a book about that as well, too, and just challenged me in different ways. And, you know, when I think of work, right, because I've had so many countless conversations about jobs and work with other individuals, right? And, you know, it's like, when I think of work, the idea of vocation or calling, uh, it directly aligns and comes into mind in that, right? And so for me, the idea of vocation, it connects with work a handful of very, very important things, right? These things are uh, devotion, skill, pride, pleasure, and what what I see as good stewardship of means and materials, right? Like things that you've been blessed with and how you use it and how you care for it and expend it and take and put it out, right? Um, and... I think it's 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 really basically the intangibles of economic value. Sure. So yeah. if you take these things away, like if those things are not involved with your quote unquote uh, job, then all that remains is something that you're left with that you want to escape, right? People work for the weekends. People can't wait for the weekends to get away from the jobs. And so for me, you know, cause I think back and I look at like what I could have gone and done, um, you know, whether it was like to be a doctor or a businessman, all of that stuff. And, you know, I just, I feel like for me, my vocation, uh, means that I have to, I have to, I have to look out, uh, for the interests of other people, um, by helping myself see how my work and my art, my music impacts the lives of those individuals that I can reach, sure. right? Um, when work is just a job, it's like we, we can't get away from it. Uh, we, can't, we can't get away from it. And, but when our work is like a vocation, we can't see ourselves serving others in any other way, right? right? So there's that whole satisfaction. And, and so for me, it is art. Um, yeah, it's harder because like we're always keeping up with the Joneses. So, you know, oftentimes as an artist, you know, when you're struggling and, you know, you don't get that paycheck every two weeks, like a lot of these other folks do. Sure. There are times where I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just go find a job and just get that, that comfort, security, stability. But, um, no, I, I just, I kind of, I, I stand, stand true to it. Cause I also do realize, and I feel like I've been very blessed to get these reminders that I'm doing what I, what I was created to do. Yeah. Um, and, I think I think that's that's it. That's just that's just kind of the the way that encapsulates. So um, whether it's music, even acting, you would ask mm -hmm. like, do I am I a better performer because of certain things? Um, absolutely, because when you're looking at it holistically and looking at like who do I, Jajin, as a human being, like how am I supposed to put out into the universe these things? You know, so I yeah, I, I, even acting, like I'm I'm really excited because I'm not I've never started really saying I'm an actor, but, you know, I've got these great opportunities, gotten these great opportunities and know that I, you know, have some gifts there and I can't wait, you know, to, at the right time. Um, I've been like script writing on my own, screenwriting, all these things. And, uh, I want to actually like kind of do something in the art, in the acting world that isn't normally done. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to be the usual, you know, whatever guy that's, you know, a martial artist or, you know, the, the like good looking dude that gets like, you know, whatever it is, it's like, I want to take on these roles, like similar to some of the, the favorites that I have, like Christian Bale, like Tom Hardy, like, like where you're just watching a performance and you just, you're shaking in your boots, yeah. you know, and that's the kind of stuff I want to do so that they, like nobody can say like, oh, he's black, white, Asian, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they can just be like, dang, like he's. <laughs> He's doing something that's yeah. that's different, and so I think it all kind of intertwines, you know.
it's like that conversation around a degree of difficulty. Those are the performances that I appreciate and respect the most. Um, myself, I mean, I'm just background number four. Hopefully next year I'll be background number two. You know, I'm just <laughs> trying my best. <laughs> um, so let's talk about making time um, to to create, whether that be in the space of like, obviously, you, you know, you're running lines, you're, you're writing, things of that nature. Um, when do you make that time? What does that 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 look like? Is it a regular practice that every every Thursday at four I got I got some lines to write or what, what does that look like for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to creating art, you got to be intentional. And uh, I remember and that's actually advice. Like a lot of times people will reach out and be like, oh, I'm, I'm a I'm a aspiring songwriter. And I'm just like, write, write, write. And I say, don't I'm not saying write a song a day. I don't say that. I say, like, look, start from the ground up and just write anything. Like if you're describing that tree, write down on a piece of paper what that tree looks like to you in five different ways, whatever it is. And just write, write your feelings, write you know, all of that. And, um, and so for me, it's, it's, it's part of that discipline. Um, I think that if you've been given a gift, uh, a talent, then it is an absolute duty and responsibility to do it with excellence. For most people, that means you got to put the work in to get to that point where it's deemed excellent, right? Yeah. And that's where people get it twisted because, like, people are always looking for, I, I don't know how many messages I get on Instagram where it's like, oh, like, how, man, how did you get to this point? Like, how did you get that opportunity? How did you get this? And, like, they're just hoping that they can just, like, put it through that machine real quick and, like, something <laughs> pops out from, like, a vending machine, yeah. right? But it's like, what I, what I call sweat equity. You got to put the blood, sweat, and tears in, but also, I think the thing that is not shared often is everybody's process is different. Mm -hmm. If anything, when I started my musical journey in 2015, I've tried to do everything that was not the norm. I've tried to be creative and do go against the grain. And I think that honestly, that's, that was one of the big reasons why I think like I got a lot of the opportunities that I did um, because I was just like, look, if you're in an industry, like whether it's acting or music, like if you're in an industry where you're doing you know, 99% of the same stuff as everybody mm -hmm. else in that industry and 99% fail, like they eventually quit or leave. Mm -hmm. There's something, you know, to be said about that. Like, I don't like those odds. You know, if I'm a betting man, I ain't taking those odds, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, for me, it's like a discipline. It's an everyday thing. Like, and uh, one thing I, I, I remember sharing on tour was, um, you know, I was... I, I picked up a guitar and started to really teach myself how to play and sing and do all that, like 2015. You know, I could strum some chords and stuff, but I was not good at all at anything. I never grew up doing music, all of that, right? So um, every day I would just like play um, at the end of the night. Like I, I, I took this, this mentality approach, which was, um, which kind of stemmed from one of my favorite quotes, right? They say, um, a cocky dude is somebody that walks into a room and thinks they're better than everybody else in the room. But a confident dude is somebody that walks into a room and knows that he's a better person today than he was yesterday. And he's going to be a better person tomorrow than he is today. And I took that approach. Um, I take that approach as a human being, but also as an artist, like every day I'm like at, at night and I'll lay down. I'm like, man, am I a better guitar player? And if I'm not, then I get out of bed and I go play something until I do something cool where I'm like, <laughs> whoa, how did I do that? Yeah. You know, and same thing with writing. Like, I'm like, I'm going to write until I write something where I'm just like, dang, did I just write that? You know? And then it's like, all right, cool. And I feel good about that. And I think like when you're doing that and you're competing against yourself, man, it's like six months later and you're like two years ahead of some of these other cats. And that's, that's actually better progress than if you were just looking at what that other dude was doing and trying to do the same thing. 
yeah. you're never going to get there. Yeah, and I think I think that that's really interesting. Where you have people who you, you hear about um, musicians and such, they'll say, hey, "I'm in I'm in album mode. I'm not having any outside interference or what have you." And I think there's something very very true and very accurate about it. It may not be used in the right way. I think it's. There's a self-aggrandizing that happens there, but I think when you're paying attention to what everyone else is doing and not what you're doing and not competing against yourself, per se, then you're trying to follow what they're doing and you're being influenced, whether it be in an inception sort of way, but you're being influenced and that's not what you're going for. It's not like when you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to be better than all these specific people that I'm naming. It's like, no, I need to be better than me. I need to be better than I was yesterday and and have goals and, you know, kind of generate that internally. And sometimes you have to have those blinders. So it's a, I think as a creative and having that like concept of social media, that's how you encounter a lot of these things. I think you have to really use it for its purpose because yeah. when that comes in, you're like, oh man, why am I doing that now? Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me about perception. Does that does that go into a if you go into a project like optimistically does that like affect the end result or if you go into a pessimistically does that kind of be like oh, i'm having a bad time i don't know if this is going to turn out like tell me about that I'd, I'd say my gut feeling first is that like yeah you go into something optimistically generally i think it the 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 favor lies in, in, in you, but at the same time, you can't always control everything to go the way that you want. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, perception is interesting. Cause it's like, I think for as long as I could remember, um, I just, it's, I firmly believed that either you, your, you yourself kind of shape that perception mm-hmm. or somebody else shapes it for you. That's what I think like, uh, coming of age and growing up is really about, right? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a risk taker, but I'll always take the side of betting on myself and either, you know, you're going to do what you want or, you know, which includes the success and excellence. Like you're going to go succeed. You're going to go be excellent or you respond to someone else's plan for you. And it's become really tricky. I feel really bad for like younger Gen Z millennial, like, because, in this day and age, like, you know, I, I quit social media January 1st and, you know, I'll, I'll like check messages from my computer now, like every, every week, you know, just to make sure. But like, besides that, I stopped posting. I stopped doing all that because you just, everybody is like, it affects everyone. Like you're, yeah. you're trying to put up something to evoke a perception that you want everybody else to perceive. And, and it's, and it's kind of a, a very dangerous kind of thing. Right. And especially as an artist, because, um, I just found that like, who cares? Like you put so much work and energy into putting up some sort of facade, uh, yeah. surfacey thing. And at the end of the day, if you're an artist, nobody's going to get you anyways. You're still going to be misunderstood. Cause that's, that's called life. <laughs> like everybody misunderstands you. Right. Yeah. And like, but we all want to be understood. And that's like this painful, like kind of, you know, thing that, that exists there. And so, um, but I, I would say, um, mindset is so important. It's like the most important thing. I think when it comes to creating, you need to be like, I, I always joke and say like, it's like, you need a healthy dose of, I don't give up mm, mm-hmm. because that really is a necessity to do something great. Yeah. You need to be able to do that. And, and perception, man, it comes down to like how you can set that up. You, 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 you have to do it yourself. You have to shape that. You have to shape uh, the ways in which 
you see yourself achieving certain goals. And this is not like a frou-frou, like, like self-improvement thing. It's really just that mindset. Your mind is so um, delicate and sensitive mm -hmm. that you need to treat it with, um, you know, just careful respect and reverence and things. And, 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 and I think that that's, that's something that's really important. So, yeah. It's legit. It's uh it's one of those kind of like, like if, if it's a muscle for sake of argument, you know, you can, you can tax your muscles. There's certain things you shouldn't like, oh, you're, you're straining now. You know, you're going to hurt yourself. So mm -hmm. it's like, be, be mindful and be, be aware of it. And yeah, I'm trying to divest my amount of energy because I find that the reactions that I have that aren't coming from anything, it's not coming after a pod. It's not going into a pod. It comes from, from that side of things of, Oh, well, this exchange didn't go the way or wow. I thought, I thought people would like that. And you, and, I, and I'm pretty good at capturing when let's say a post may not go well. I don't really associate that with myself as much as some yeah, people may. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's a thing. It's, it's definitely a thing that it has its benefits in terms of reach, but mm-mm. You're, but you're really you're really right on. No, no, people aren't going to get you. They're not mm -hmm. going to get you. Yeah. So I got one more question before I get into these rapid fire ones. And yeah, yeah. Uh, this one is I, I, I find interest in um, how how artists deem generosity. So what does generosity mean to you as an artist and, and how do you emulate it? Yeah. Um... You know, this generosity is, it's actually like a huge, I feel like it's been a huge theme for me that I had to stay very intentional to make sure it was at the forefront of my, my thoughts and how I, you know, move forward in life. So, uh, yeah, one of my favorite, 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 uh, writers, poets is Wendell Berry, right? Mm -hmm. And he has this, like, you know, he's written on it a lot, but he, you know, he says like every, every day you have less reason, uh, not to give yourself away. Right. And, you know, I look back in my life and I think of all the individuals that were so very generous to me. And it's never really like the money or the quote unquote things that you remember. You know, it's the the time that they gave. It's their presence, their their confidence that they gave to me, their their kindness, their words of affirmation, um, their their support, their blessings, all these things. And um, I guess. I've always tried to take that stance of uh, breathing in life and then breathing out my gratitude uh, for the gifts that I've been blessed with, yeah. right? And so as an artist, I think this is such an important thing. Um, you know, I know not, not everybody believes that, but I, I think it is a vital necessity, especially because when you think about supporters and people that are supporting what you do, um, it is so important to stay grateful. It is so important to, um, you know, to have humility. Like I think humility is a non-negotiable uh, to make great impact in the world. And so, you know, as an artist, um, it's so vital uh, to true satisfaction. You know, and um, you know whether it's through a song or through the time that I spend with people after a show, um, or you know just just in general, like spending time with your your homies, your friends, whatever it is. Like, I feel like I I try really hard to, to be a giver. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes you know that that's a double edged sword because you are going to end up um, sometimes feeling like you know like a lot of that is not returned, and yeah. you know sometimes you feel uh, just like you get the poop end of the stick, whatever it is, but. <laughs> Um, but you can't focus on all that. You know, we're just, we're just delicate human beings and, um, you gotta just be a person who can pass 
your gifts along and do it fully, uh, do it intentionally and do it greatly, you know, because we got one life that we live in. And so um, I think it's important. And anytime you stay grateful too, I think uh, I've never heard of anybody that, you know, got the the bad end of the stick by being grateful and being a grateful person, you know. It's usually if you're you're doing it and you feel earnest when you're doing it and you're doing it righteously, that's all it really matters. And um, often when you hear about you was a fool for doing that or have you, it's someone else that's chiming in, but that's not a feeling that you, you feel naturally. You just feel happy that, yeah, I did that. You know, and, you know, that's part of the, the cost of being where you're, you just feel like this, this is a part of it, you know, and uh, whether that be as you, you, you keyed in on, uh, you know, staying after a show, what have you. I, I did a um, movie screening recently and it's going to be a regular thing that I do and just kind of hanging out and just chit chatting with people. And, you know, I had maybe a few, few people who were like big fans. It was like, quote unquote, groupies. And I got, you know, like, man, why you got groupies? It's like, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, just talking with people and they're asking about the pod and asking, like, can he be on and all of that? And, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, people like this. This is what comes with it. And that's that's great. And having that time, even though it's been a long day and got the wild headache going on and all of that. But it's like it's not time for that. And it kind of shuts off a little bit actually. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm engrossed in this conversation. This is great. This is, this is a byproduct. I wanted this. I, I wanted everything that comes with it. All right. Yeah. So now yeah. it's, now it's time for the rapid fire questions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I have about four questions for you. Um, first one is, uh, I, I know, I know my, I know my girlfriend is going to like this one. Uh, favorite Prince song. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh it's actually easy. For me, it's how come you don't call me anymore. Okay. Um just because I I love I don't know why. Like I don't you know, it's not even like necessarily the lyrics or the the point of the song, but I just like love performing that song. That's like my my um that's my uh, warm-up song. Okay. Like even last night before I did a show, like I was just like I jumped jumped on the keys and was just like yeah, I just sang it, and, you know, and it's cool because you can oh, yeah. see some people that kind of like, oh, dang, you know, it's a Prince song. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, I, I, because, of course, Purple Brain's great, but everybody's going to say that, yeah. right? Or especially the people that are like, I love Prince, but that's literally the only song they know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, no, but I, I, I do like, how come you don't call me anymore? I, for some reason, that's just, you know, it's just something that, something about that song is just, there's a simplicity to it and one that's just kind of like, I like it. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, all right. This no. This one. I this this could be a loaded one. Um, in the movie, let's say in a, in a movie, let's say a movie about you, a biopic or something on those lines. What is your role? What what part would you want to be involved in the movie? Do you want to act? Do you want to be yourself? Are you the person doing the music? Are you consulting? Like what? Which part of that do you gravitate towards uh, mostly? Oh man. Uh, you know, I think I I would. It's funny because my answer is going to have different reasons for it. So I, I would want to be the one that acts because, um, and, and as long as like, yeah, the script is, is good and different <laughs> enough. Um, but, but it would be to rise to the challenge to do it. Like, even if it was like, Hey, we could get, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael B. Jordan to come in and do it. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to try. Like, sure. They'll probably kill it and do really well with it. But I'm like, nah, like this is, I get one life. I want, if I get the, the chance to have a say in that, I'm going to try, yeah. even if I fail. Uh, and then the second part is like, I would consult on the music side of things. Cause yes, I, I think I would, you know, rise to that occasion too. But I also realize like, there's so much good music out there too. 
Um, and, uh, and I would probably find some creative way to be like, yeah, I want to get this person to sing it, but I'm going to write the song, yeah, yeah. you know, find some way to be involved in it. But like when you're doing a production like that, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room to really be creative and make it something that can be excellent. Um, and you know, it, it's, yeah, I'd, I'd say that it, it's, it's different parts of the process, but the bottom line answer is just rise to vacation, do everything that I could humanly try to do. Yeah. Um, and then find the right people to do the rest. <laughs> I, I like hearing it. it. It's a, um, you know, rising to the occasion. It sounds like this, this, uh, idea I've been, been like riding on literally for like the last two, essentially since this podcast has really kind of taken off, just riding the wave. It's just like, Oh, opportunity is there. Cool. I'm going to do it. Um, and just, you know, being a little bit more mindful of it and seeing like, all right, does this fit? But for the most part, doing it, because as you get to your 30s, you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm just going to hang out today. I'm not doing anything. Uh, uh, I got two more for you. Okay. What is your favorite? Well, let me, let me preface it a little bit. So you're, 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 you've cited earlier, as we, we talked about Dylan, Stevie Wonder, Sam Cooke, The Beatles, uh, Prince. What is your favorite era of music? Uh, 50s, 60s, soul. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's, a good, that's, that's an easy one. Uh, and lastly, what is the best compliment you've ever received? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, this is going to sound kind of funny. Um, one of my birthdays, uh, my, my dear friends kind of gathered and together, a bunch of people kind of like flew in from different states and they said something, they all kind of came up with a common denominator to give me a compliment of why they love me. Yeah. Now, this is going to sound pretty extreme because uh, it, I don't like initially I took it as an insult, but then I was just like thinking about it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to own it. So what they said was they were like, if if one of us killed somebody, we can come to you and know that you wouldn't yell. You wouldn't be like, why would you do it? You just like help us <laughs> bury the body or figure out a way to like make sure that we don't go to jail for life or something like that. And And it was like, you know, they weren't saying like literally that I would, you know, be an evil person like that. Yeah. They just were stating that like, um, yeah, like I, even for me, my takeaway was everybody needs a person like that in their life. Mm -hmm. Somebody that if you mess up, cause you're going to mess up in life, maybe hopefully not kill a person, but you're going to mess up. You want to be able to go to somebody that will, you know, help you just figure it out yeah. and make you better, make you okay again. And, uh, and I, I just genuinely think I, I like teared up thinking about that. Cause I was like, yeah, you know, I'm glad that some of these people in my life, like realize that because sometimes I am probably loyal to a fault. I am probably like in, in that way built. Um, but, um, it's, it's also a huge, um, you know, I just felt very grateful to have people feel that way, you know, about me. And so, that's probably the, the compliment. It's kind of a funny one, and that's the first thing that popped into my head, and I was like laughing. <laughs> that's that's great. It's like you're you're the the go to, you're the the trusted person, and uh, I, I kind of fall into that whenever there's something that needs to get sorted because of the way I think. I suppose it's like, oh no no no, just talk to Robert. He knows. Like literally, <laughs> it's like I know, and I, and on the other side of it, I guess because I'm an Aquarius and all of that, it's like, oh, you think you're a know-it-all? It's like, no! <laughs> it's like, how does this, when it works for you, it's good, but when it doesn't, it's bad? It's like, how does that go? It's true. Um, so that's all that I have, and I thank you for being on this podcast, and I want to invite you to tell the fine folks where to, you know, your website, things of that nature. I know you said you're not really banging with the social media heavy, but tell the fine folks where to learn, you know, check out more of your work, and to uh, maybe drop you a line in um, an email or something. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my, my website um, is all my social media, which is Jjin Music, so J-A-E-J-I-N music.com. Um, and then uh, all my music can be found. I have four albums and a whole ton of original singles that I released uh, through the past uh, six, seven years on every streaming platform, like all 700 of them. <laughs> uh, it's everywhere you can be found, J-A-E space J-I-N, and it should be the first one that pops up. And uh yeah, you know, it's it's been great. They can message me on, on my website. I'll get it. I'll respond. I set aside time every week to respond to every person uh, that takes time to, to write me. And um, so that that's that's it. <laughs> and and thank you again for letting me uh, share my thoughts and, and uh, for opening up your heart and uh, mind with me. Absolutely. And thank you so much. So for, um, for Jay Jen, the great, the mighty Jay Jen, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Thank you.